ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. On October 14th, Australians will head to the polls to vote in the Voice referendum, which is an important vote which could ensure Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples have a say when it comes to matters relating to them. In our history, we've only had 44 referenda, and of those, only eight have been successful. So will this one buck the trend? I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Quick Smart, a show that feeds you big ideas in bite-sized pieces. So where did the idea of a voice to parliament come from? Will it really improve the lives of Indigenous people? And what could Australia look like when we wake up on the 15th of October? One person who has been helping unpack this is Carly Williams. Hello, Carly. Hello. First of all, tell us a bit about who you are. Well, my name is Carly Williams. I'm a Kondamooka woman. My family are from um, Injiribar, which is North Stradbroke Island off Brizzy. And I'm the National Indigenous Correspondent at the ABC. And like you said, it is everything voice referendum at the moment. So I've been travelling around Australia, speaking to mob in different communities. Uh, we've been to Arnhem Land, Queensland, Northwest and New South Wales. And I've been speaking to grassroots people all the way, you know, from mums, and social workers up to uh, people at organisations because we're gathering for our podcast, The Voice Referendum Explained. And having these voices is so important because we're seeing a lot of politicians and academics. And, you know, we we turn these perspectives and views into 15-minute or less than 15-minute episodes for the pod to help people feel informed when they go to vote on referendum day. Yeah, absolutely. And part of what you've been doing in your role is travelling around the country talking to mob about their feelings. What sort of conversations have you been having? So many conversations. And I think it's important to remember that, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are not a homogenous group. We have a huge diversity of different nations and mobs and languages and a huge range of views and perspectives. Speaking to mob across the country, people have more questions. Um, Whether they're voting yes or no, they want to know how people will be elected or selected to be on the advisory group that would advise executive government and parliament on issues that affect First Nations people. You know, we agree on one thing, and that is there should be equality and better outcomes for First Nations people. We just need to decide on the best way to get there. And is that a voice? As much as we're hearing a lot from politicians and academics and those people that we're seeing on the news every day, hearing from grass roots, mob, folks working in schools, social workers, mums in towns. That's what's helped make me feel really informed. One little town on the mid-north coast of New South Wales, Bowerville, actually had quite a high no vote in the 67 Indigenous referendum to fully include uh, Indigenous people in Australia's population. I travelled there and spent some time at a community hall meeting and spoke to mob there who were in the same family, a you know, big extended family, some of them, who had a huge range of views. The voice is probably not right as far as advocating for everybody in, you know, every Indigenous person in Australia. And we just need to talk a little bit more about that, come together a little bit more. And This is what we need. We need to stick together on it. How will I vote for whichever way it suits our our people? They deserve it, but do the the government listen? If the future owes some hope for my people and my great-grandkids, I just got to vote yes. Should we 
include Aboriginal people in the Constitution? Yes or no? And my answer to that is yes. So that's some of the voices of the people you've been speaking to. Let's just take a step back. The idea of a referendum for an Indigenous voice came from the Uluru Dialogues. Can you tell me about that process? Well, MOB have been talking about constitutional recognition for the last 100 years. I think it's about saying and recognising, okay, us MOB were here first and we have a deep connection to this land within 65,000 years and there's been a lot of advocacy and hard work, blood, sweat and tears that have gotten us to this space. But where did the voice referendum come from? There was a thing called the Referendum Council, which was commissioned by the coalition government, and its job was to figure out how do we best recognise First Nations people in Australia's constitution. So over the end of 2016 and 2017, there were these 12 meetings across the country. They were called the Uluru Dialogues. And those meetings were to figure out how do we want treaty or do we want to be written into the constitution? And if we do, do we want a mechanism that will help drive change? So we're just not written in. We actually have a voice and some action. That all came together in 2017 at the Uluru Convention, where delegates came together and they put forward the Uluru Statement. And that's when many of us first heard about the voice. It calls for three reforms, voice, treaty, truth, in that order. Now, not everybody there agreed that voice should come first. There was some bump there that walked out of that convention, uh, about seven people, I've spoken to some of them, and they said, oh, we don't want a voice first. We need truth-telling first. Or, you know, we want treaty first. I might just add that, you know, when we're talking about mob having lots of different views on this, there have been polls showing that 80% of Indigenous people do support the voice referendum. Now, those two polls were taken at the beginning of this year, one in March, and they were commissioned by the Yes campaign. But that's the data that we do have. So it's been a really long process. We have an official question. We have a date. On the day, Carly, what are we actually voting on? The question is, do we want to change the constitution to recognise the first peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice? And when you get to the voting day, whether it's at a school or there's, you know, democracy sausages or you get into those cake stalls and um, when you get to the ballot paper, make sure you write either yes or no on that paper. No crosses or ticks. It's got to be a yes or no in English. And what happens if the yes vote does win? Well, we'll join countries like the US, Canada, Brazil, Finland, Norway, in recognising First Nations peoples in the constitution. Those countries have have that in their constitutions. An advisory body would be established. The government has said that it has pledged that it will implement the Uluru Statement in full, which is voice, treaty, truth. But one thing that won't happen, people are not going to lose their houses. (laughs) Yeah. Or farmers aren't going to lose their properties. That's some misinformation and disinformation that has been doing the rounds. Um, and that's not from the official no campaign. That This is from network of fake bots online and, and people out there running scare campaigns that are not associated with the official no campaign. But that's one thing that, that won't happen if there's a yes vote. If there's a no, 
Yeah, well, what happens if there's if there's a no vote? I'm sure jurisdictions will still have those conversations around treaty based at the state level. We know Victoria and Queensland uh, have progressed there. The, the PM has said that if the referendum doesn't succeed, no other constitutional recognition is on the table. He's not thinking of that. He didn't want to talk about hypotheticals. This is what he told us at Gama Festival up in northeast Arnhem Land. When you've been going around the country and speaking to people, how do they feel a yes vote or a no vote? What kind of outcomes they'd have for Indigenous communities? Right, because we've got closing the gap targets and some of those are going backwards. We are still having really high and terrible suicide rates. um, And we know when I speak to people who work, say, with youth, running youth programs to keep kids engaged and out of trouble, these people say we only get very short-term funding. Nothing is, you know, years length of funding bursts and they sort of have to reapply every six months or a year and that's a huge process. They tell me if they could tell the voice to let government know this is the data that's working in this town, this youth program needs these resources. And then, you know, I've spoken to others who say, well, you know, we give that advice all the time and and we don't see funding streaming into the right places. Indigenous Affairs Minister Linda Burney says that The Voice would concentrate on housing, education and health. But I feel like uh, I hear a lot from advocates for The Voice that they could make sure that funding is going to the right places. And that's a great thing for all Australian taxpayers. You did mention before that there is a fair bit of misinformation around people um, with a lot of different opinions. If people want to inform themselves about their vote, where should they go? Well, uh, credible news sources and, you know, calling out that mis and disinformation that you see online, I think is really important. There are some great documentaries out there, uh, some books. Um, We have got the Voice Referendum Explained podcast, of course, which is eight episodes and they're less than 15 minutes. Like, it's pretty dense constitutional <laughs> reform and we've got a lot on at the moment. You know, it's a housing crisis. Cosy lives, you know, <laughs> we're all just trying to keep the lights on and pay the bills. So it is a lot to get our heads around. So, yeah, we've got quite short episodes that unpack things. I think it's also important to to remember that the cultural load at the moment, you know, logging onto social media and I've spoken to a few elders recently and they've, you know, read comments under news articles on news sites, on Instagram posts and they see they have seen some horrible things being written and some untrue things being written and that that weighs on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So I suppose it's it's a tough, heavy time. It's an important time but sometimes that's hard to escape and, and we have no other choice but to endure it, it's hard to, yeah, not hear it sometimes. So yeah, go gently with your Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander friends and check on them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carly, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.